G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. One of those rare privileges today to get some insights into the life of someone who has served God in a wonderful experience translating the Bible in Papua New Guinea midway through the 20th century. And if you're aware of some of the history of Christianity in Papua New Guinea, you'll know that there was wonderful pioneers who went to PNG and did wonderful work translating the Bible. And of course, there's been a wonderful uptake of Christianity in Papua New Guinea. The story today of Victor Schlatter, a nuclear scientist who turned missionary and Bible translator and went to Papua New Guinea. It's our privilege to have 85-year-old Victor Schlatter in the studio today. Hello, Victor. Welcome along to 2020. Uh, Thank you. Victor, take us back to your early days Uh, working as a nuclear scientist, as I understand it, with General Electric. Uh, What brought you to a point of studying nuclear science and then an interest in the Bible? I uh, had a strange beginning. My father died eight months before I died. So go figure. I almost didn't make it for this interview today. That's right. Anyway, my mother later, well, they, they both knew she was pregnant for a third time, had two older sisters, both knew that she was expecting again. My father felt very bad. He said to my mother, he said, you know, he said, I'm ready to go. He had tetanus, a lockjaw. And in those days, they didn't have anything for it back in 1930. Uh, And uh, he said, I'm ready to go. But he says, I feel bad that you're pregnant once more, and I don't know how you get along. She had it tough. His family did help, but no way could I ever do some of the things that maybe people normally think they could. No way. The only daddy I ever knew was upstairs. So you were born without a father because your father had died, and you got to know your Creator, You got to know God because your mother was an influence on your life. That's correct. That's correct. And uh, as I said, it's the only father I ever knew. And these uh, you were... don't realize this stuff until you're about 50 years old, though. No. And these were the Depression years. These were yes. very, very hard times. The only way for you to get a good high-level education was to receive some level of scholarship. That's correct. And... No way could I ever get a a good education, a university education, without divine information. And there was a philanthropist in the area that uh, I don't think many people even knew. But I got got a scholarship to Purdue University, came out a scientist, got a good job with General Electric, and they were just beginning the nuclear facility at Hanford, now Richland, Washington, and uh, I got a good job in in uh, nuclear science. I was in that role for seven years until something happened. 
tell me about what happened, because as I understand it, uh, you were reading a newspaper one day and yeah, an a, ad caught your eye. A journal for the a journal for the Wycliffe Bible translators. My wife had always wanted to go to the mission field, and we never argued about it. She never pushed me, but I was looking at the Wycliffe Bible translators journal, and there's a little tiny ad that says, Professionals, make something out of your life. And that just hit me like uh, a thunderbolt. And I said to my wife, honey, we're going other places. I resigned with a lab, uh, and uh, I resigned, took a 90% pay cut, I presume, and uh, the next couple of summers geared up with Wycliffe how to take an unwritten language, a Stone Age language, and uh, analyze it, and then translate the Bible. And that I did. Well, we know that people in Papua New Guinea have come such a long way since the mid-20th century. But when you arrived in Papua New Guinea, it truly was a Stone Age civilization. The languages all had to be learned before you could actually produce a Bible. Correct. Well, there's Pidgin English. It's pretty good. That's a, a, a shortcut. But it's not like your mother tongue. And... Uh, we got there in 1961, uh, uh, quite naive. I was 30 and uh, not really knowing where we're going. But again, all of the good stuff that ever happened to me was not from Victor Schlatter. It was from my father that I never met except in the spirit. And he put us in this tribe, one tribe out of 830 in Papua New Guinea, and I learned in about a year. I had the language pretty well. You ask for, ask for uh, things like the fingers, the thumb, and uh, the differences, and uh, body parts, anything. Names of names of sweet potatoes. And to you get about five hundred words, you got the you got the alphabet. But then it takes a lot longer to get the the grammar. And uh, so I worked away at this, and in about a year, I I. Um, I had uh, uh, the language, a uh, pretty good start on it. I had a long way to go, of course, but it, it takes a while. How long does it take uh, from start to a point where you celebrate that you have got a perhaps a translation of the New Testament uh, ready for a whole new language group? Well, I got the New Testament finished in about 17 years in a professional analysis I was doing fairly well, but well, this is all a process. I'm I'm learning as I'm translating, translating as I learn, and so it was about 17 years. And we came out with a dedication of the scriptures, uh, the New Testament plus a, a very good panorama of the old. And uh, I tell you, it was a place that the Almighty alone knew, because there are about seven distinct languages in that area in the southern highlands that had very similar linguistic structures and names. For instance, the word for father in our language is op. Next door in the, with the hulis, or they call them the hellas now, is abba. Straight out of Hebrew dictionary. And there were a few others. And the Lord put us there Unknown, be known to us. But anyway, that's how things went until we had the, the scriptures. And, well, 
in that area, like many places in Papua New Guinea, they're still having trouble with the with the spirits, and the the heads of the the, the uh, number of the clans in that area, they got together and they says, let's give this guy a try. So they bit the bullet. They threw out the they they threw out the demons, the the spirit houses, and the the little articles of their worship. They threw them out, and they started coming to church. And so, we had a flood, a flood tide, a tsunami of uh, believers. The the men sent their wives out first to make sure nothing happened to them, and when things got better, some of them had uh, two, three wives, and when the wives quit fighting, the guys said, hey, that's a pretty good thing. And the men started coming, and there were other things that happened, but it was a miracle. Can you describe for us one of those early gatherings where you were probably meeting for church on a Sunday and people began to arrive? Can well, you remember what uh, it was like? It, wasn't the, it was over the years that more and more confidence, but when we saw things like the, the men were deathly afraid of childbirth, wouldn't go anywhere near when a man carries his wife who hasn't has problems delivering, and when he carries her into the uh, medical facilities, my wife was involved in others. You see that something's happened to him, and uh, the, the fear is gone. In fact, I bet about a dozen guys on the trail. But this is about only after a year. Met these guys. Some of them knew me. Some of them didn't. I don't. I said, "Hey, we came to tell you about God." Yeah, we know. He's up there, and with a wave of his hand, he pointed to the top. He's okay. You know, God's okay, and meaning he wasn't giving them any trouble. He said, it's the demons down here that are giving us a bad time. I said, you look to him, and they'll look, and 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 he'll take care of them. The Father will take care of the demons, and he did, and the movement went on. I can't say just for any particular meeting, but a lot of it was, oh, one thing. One thing, yeah, that uh, we always got local leaders involved. I never did any baptizing. In fact, in in the 30 years we were there or more, I only was involved in baptism once when the helper didn't show up. They did it, and they became the disciples and not not just white daddy. We're hearing the story of Bible translation pioneer Victor Schlatter, a nuclear scientist who turned missionary and Bible translator in Papua New Guinea. We'll continue our conversation in just a short while. We're hearing the story today of Victor Schlatter, a nuclear scientist who turned missionary and Bible translator in Papua New Guinea. One of those rare opportunities to hear the heartbeat of someone who today is 85 years of age and reflecting on his work in Papua New Guinea in Bible translation that dates back to the early 1960s. Victor, as we talk about these sorts of issues, hear of people now having access to a Bible that they can read, understanding that there is a God in heaven, that he is the one who brings salvation. 
the things that are going on in Papua New Guinea as the church now begins to grow and to take shape. What are the things that are outstanding in your memory? As I understand it, uh, there's a real passion for Jerusalem. Yes, and uh, that uh, happened unbeknownst to us. Uh, we didn't have that much money, but uh, a, one, a church from Canada uh when we happened to be back in in uh, the nor- North America at one point, uh, let us know that they were taking trips, and they said, we're taking you. And actually, it was the second time that this happened that we started telling them in Papua New Guinea about, we've been to Jerusalem. We walked where Jesus walked. That blew them away. It, look, this was in our their Bibles and everything, Jerusalem and Jericho and the Jordan River. It's in their Bibles. Well, that blew them away. And because of the interest, I the massive interest, I should say, I started taking uh, Papua New Guineans over to Jerusalem for a trip. Sometimes it wasn't a very big group. Sometimes maybe just a dozen or so. One time we had 35 took them over there, and they saw for themselves what was there. came back and told the people they went bananas. They thought they had to die and go to heaven to see these places. Up until that time, what they had heard about Jerusalem was like a story in a book. That's right. And now you were taking them on a plane to Israel and walking the streets of Jerusalem in the footsteps of Jesus. Yes. And what does that do for a Papua New Guinean national well, when they get to Well, it spread from our one tribe all over. They started a couple of fellas that I had taken. They'd get people together in their areas. Uh, I mean, Southern Highlands has got quite a few uh, different contacts. Then others from... Uh, from the Eastern Islands, there were uh, from Mount Hagen and, and, and the central parts of uh, Papua New Guinea. And we had people from New Ireland and down from the central district. They started taking the, their people, and it spread like wildfire. Today, you pass a, go the, along the Highlands Highway, you see a little Israeli flag on the, cent, uh, on the uh, fence post. You see a menorah on the church door. It well, the reason was we found out later, and I won't go to the end of that. We don't have that much time. I have books there uh, that uh, are advertised, but uh, the one about genetically modified prophecies will tell about the Hebraic genetics in Papua New Guinea, and it's not there, only there, Micronesia, Vanuatu, Marshall Islands, uh, all over the place, there are probably Hebraic genetics of of Hebrews that didn't leave with Moses. And there they were, and they came in like a tidal wave, uh, and there are probably about 15,000 people in uh, the Southern Highlands alone that called my wife and I mom and dad. And uh, this goes to other places too, but by I reiterate, it's not Victor Schlatter. It is the Almighty that had plans to find these people in the end of days. It's going to be something of a challenge for some to think that there might be a, a tribal connection from Israel to Papua New Guinea. But what you're saying is, uh, this is beyond question. Is this undoubted? There's, there's this definite connection. It's like a lost tribe of Israel that is present there in Papua New Guinea. 
Well, the lost tribes over the years, I mean, some people are looking for the lost tribes only north of Israel into Europe and those places, but there are other ways where they got scattered all over the place, and uh, they're not 100% Jews. They're a mixture, and a nice little gene might tick off a lot of things in a person's spiritual interest, that maybe their father is beyond the earthly father that they know. And this is how this came about, and it spread. Uh, for How do they pay for it? It costs money. One village would put all their money together and send one guy as their ambassador to see the land chosen by God to be the place forever. Uh, it's in dispute these days in, uh, in, in the global scenario that because the Jew isn't always that famous in many other cultures because what arrogance is this to say that you're a child of God, uh, that you're uh, one of the favorite chosen? Uh-uh. uh this is not always that famous, but uh, with uh, if favoritism is uh, has a bit of a stumbling block. But anyway, to know that there's something special, maybe you don't even know it, but that's what's happened. So the exciting thing that you're sharing with us is that while Bible translation is such an important element of bringing the gospel and bringing transformation to a society— one of the things that additional to the provision of a Bible is the actual geographic location of a person to go to Jerusalem, to walk the streets of Jesus, to come back to their land then and have an understanding of the Bible. Is this something that's foundational in the way that the church in Papua New Guinea has grown and spread because of this connection? Indeed, uh, been there, done that is pretty pretty uh, impressive to us when we see things. And uh, I would say that the Pacific Islands, not only Papua New Guinea, but the Pacific Islands are the most – well, it's not only the most evangelized, but the, the, the most attached – Attached people. I mean, there's sinners there, you know. We still got a few flakies around, but uh, the fact is that it's the most God fearing place on earth, God respecting. It's not just being a, a shaking in your boots of what God's going to do, but hey, we got a relationship. We, we've been there. We've seen things that we saw in our Bible. It, it's, it's very impactive. And if you get a chance to go, you should. Even though there is a tremendous hatred these days around the world uh, and uh, evil speech or evil reports about Israel, even though there's that, uh, he'll take care of his people. Victor, if we reflect on Papua New Guinea, and there you were, pioneering days, translator of the scriptures, uh, taking Papua New Guinea nationals to to uh, Israel on the streets of Jerusalem. As you reflect on those things of the past, and you've seen the church grow to tens, hundreds of thousands of people in the church in Papua New Guinea, what are your aspirations? What are your prayers for the people in Papua New Guinea for the future? Well, I've yes, I've. Uh, it's not only Papua New Guinea; it's a lot for the my, for our Western friends. Uh, 
Some people don't get my books uh, because they're, uh, as I say, tongue-in-cheek. Some of them are cryptic as King Tut's tomb, uh, even though they don't get some of my tongue-in-cheek remarks. Uh, a lot of them do. I've got uh, six books now that I've published. A lot of them are not just Papua New Guinea, but they're Old Testament themes. Uh, the first one was the fact, uh, hey, church— you're not the only ones because, uh, as far as the body of Christ, because the Jews are coming. They're going to be in there, too. And these are the promises. Um, I can mention that in a moment. But um, uh, the fact that uh, that was the first one, where is the body? Uh, part of it is in the churches. Part of it is coming, uh, according to the promises of the Hebrew prophets. Let me mention the names of some of the books that you've written. You mentioned one called Genetically Modified Prophecies. There's others. One is called Hatred of the Jews. Where is the body? Who told you that you were naked? Showdown of the Gods. And Nineveh, a parody of the present. Uh, six books there. And mm-hmm. which one of those is your favorite? Which one of those is the the most significant with a, a word for people who might even go online and, uh, and order a copy of your books today? Right. All of these are on Amazon and also, better not, it's here on Vision Radio. Uh, there's a supply here. But my favorite is Genetically Modified Prophecy because it's got oh how they got down here. From Egypt, uh, could have been uh, other routes too, how they got down here, and the influences that they have had, even without our being in Papua New Guinea, influences God orientation, a, a, an awareness from within that somebody's out there. Uh, so the first one, uh, where is the body? is a good one. That one has been going a long time. And then genetically mod- pro- modified prophecies. And what other one looks interesting? Uh, they all look interesting. And I'll point listeners to have a look at those books. They can get those in the Vision Store. Right. Uh, Hatred of the Jews. Where is the body? Genetically modified prophecies. Who told you that you were naked? Showdown of the gods. And Nineveh, a parody of the present. Our special guest has been Victor Schlatter, a nuclear scientist who turned missionary and Bible translator in Papua New Guinea. And as you've been hearing, he took Papua New Guinea nationals to Jerusalem to walk the streets and walk in the footsteps of Jesus. He is a renowned author. Those six books that I've mentioned available at Vision Store. Victor, just a pleasure getting your insights and hearing your story today. Thank you so much for being with us on 2020. Thank you. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.